We are in a series on the parables this um, summer and up through August. And uh, that was opened up a few weeks back by Tiffany and Ben. And they used the godly play, um, a couple of the godly play parables to uh, introduce us to that. Uh, Misty followed and, and uh, spoke on the parable of the ten virgins when some of us were out in Adelanto. Um, and today we're, we're into another parable. Um, and I'm going to need your help a little bit. I've, I've been sick this week. I was at a great concert last night, but my throat is paying for all of that right about now. Um, and <clears throat> so to start with, I want to, I want to know if, how many of you have been um, or participated in an escape room before? Anybody? Okay. Oh, good handful. Great. Somebody tell us about an escape room. What, what's the concept of an escape room? Kaya. What's that? You're supposed to escape a room. That is a good, that is, uh, that is the concept. Thank you. Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit, Kaya? Have you been, have you done an escape room? Okay, tell us about that a little bit. What, 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 uh, how do you escape the room? Why don't you just open the door and leave? Oh, okay. Everyone hear that? You go into a room, you got to get out of the doors, but they're locked, and there's clues on how to, the, 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 the escape um, exit is, is hidden, Kaya said, um, and there's clues throughout the room that kind of open it up for you. Um, Godly Play talks about the parables as being in a box that need to be opened up. Um, the parables might be considered like an escape room. They need, there's clues that can open these up for us and invite us into um, maybe what Jesus is um, asking of us, wanting to teach us, wanting to invite us into, into living. Um, so I'm going to read um, this parable to you in just a minute, um, but I want to give you a couple of important aspects um, to this parable um, as a way to maybe try to open it up um, as we read it. Um, we're going to be reading the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Um, there's a couple interesting things about this parable uh, before we get into it. Um, Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. Um, they're the ones Dallas Willard describes as the serious. Um, they're described as loving money right before this parable is told. Um, so that's who Jesus is, is offering this parable to. Um, this is the only parable that gives a person's name. Um, I think that's an interesting piece to this parable. It's the only parable where someone is named, um, and that is Lazarus. Um, you're going to find that in this parable, the use of the afterlife is there. Jesus uses an image of the afterlife to try to, and what I mean by that is like after we die, um, to try to help people see, the Pharisees see, you and me to see, what's happening in life today. So when we read this parable, this is not a teaching about the afterlife, all right? Let's not get lost in that. But it's using a vision of the afterlife to look onto our life, the Pharisees' life. Does that make sense? Um, and 
the vision of the afterlife that's used is, there's two, two images I want to point out, and then we're going to read the parable. One, you, we will find Lazarus in what is called the bosom of Abraham. Um, the imagery is that of a host hosting a meal with friends, um, such close friends that they might even lean on one another um, to the left with their right open for their friend to lean and where comfort is shared around a table. Um, and the vision is that Abraham is the one who hosts those who have died while they wait for God um, to move and, and resurrect the faithful. That's the image that's going on. The other image where, La where the rich man is is called Hades, which is in, in the earth. Um, the god of wealth is named Hades. Um, so there's a play going on here in this parable as we read it. So I'm going to read it to you even before we put it on the screen. Um, just hear it, this parable. Um, let your imaginations go. We're just going to explore it a little bit together. This is from Luke 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man, Jesus said, who clothed himself in purple and fine linen and who feasted luxuriously every day. At his gate lay a certain poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. Lazarus longed to eat the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Instead, dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried by angels to Abraham's side, Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. While being tormented in the place of the dead, Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham at a distance with Lazarus at his side. He shouted, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm suffering in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received good things, whereas Lazarus received terrible things. Now Lazarus is being comforted and you are in great pain. Moreover, a great crevice has been fixed between us and you. Those who wish to cross over from here to you cannot, neither can anyone cross from there to us. The rich man said, Then I, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. I have five brothers. He needs to warn them so that they don't come to this place of agony. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They must listen to them. The rich man said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will change their hearts and lives. Abraham said, If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, then neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder what caught your attention um, today in that reading. Um, 
I wonder what, what places in that story we might have found ourselves afraid. I think fear plays a big part in this parable. Um, fear of security, the fear of not enjoying life, um, fear of meaning or not having meaning. I wonder where our fears might have been triggered as we read that. Um, Jason, you can go to the first slide. This is the first few verses. There's this rich man, and he's got everything a rich man would have. He's clothed in purple, fine linen, feasts every day luxuriously. Um, this would be a person you would imagine is secure, um, feels good about his life. Um, and every day at his gate, there's this poor man named Lazarus who is covered with sores. And Lazarus longs to eat the crumbs from the table, um, but instead dogs come and lick his sores. One man dressed in fine linen and clothes and eating well, another man wishing, longing to eat, dressed in sores. Um, this is the image Jesus gives to to the Pharisees. Um, the word Lazarus means God is our comfort. God is our help. Um, there's a story of a nameless rich man working hard to secure his life and this is a story of a man wide open, all his humanity, all his dependence, um, wide open, who is given a name. And his name is God is my comfort. God, not riches. Um, God is my, is my help. There's a couple things that just strike me in this narrative that I want to invite us to consider. Um, and I want you to hold on to those things that struck you because those are just as important. One is the, the, the tactic that's used here by Jesus. If you go to the next slide, um, Jason. He uses this image of the afterlife to, again, provide a way to look at what's going on that very day. I want you to think of like Jason or Tim up in the box, right? Um, the sound booth above you. Um, they have a particular vantage point. They look down and they see everything that's going on in this room. Um, and I think, I, I kind of imagine Jesus doing that with this story. He's using the afterlife as a way for us to step out of what's going on right in front of us to remember kind of our hopes and values um, based in God's promises for us and to look upon our life um, with those glasses, with those promises and hopes in mind. So just the genre, just the way this parable works, I think is an invitation to us to take time in our lives 
to step back from our life, um, to pause in quiet, and like Jesus is doing with the Pharisees here, to look at our lives with us involved, um, with the promises of God's future in mind, and wonder to ourselves, are there invitations in my life today? Um, in terms of living more fully into God's future that God has promised us. Does that make sense? Um, do I look at my life, my relationships, my friendships, my behavior, my ethics, my values? Um, can, do I have the courage to look at those from the vantage point of the promises God has given us about the future? That the lion will lie down with the lamb. Um, that Ways will, will, um, will come together. Valleys and mountains will, will merge together in a path of togetherness. Um, that God's justice and peace um, will reign. This parable, I think, just by the way it's told, is an invitation for us to take a step back and look at our lives and say, God, what are the, the relationships? What are the patterns? What are the the ways of life that I live out that you might be inviting me to change, that you might be inviting me to grow beyond. Um, these, these, um, these shootings are so troubling um, this weekend. Um, the, the first one we have more information on, and as I noted before, this was a, a very clear act of racism, um, white supremacy um, in our country. Um, and it's, it's a horrible, horrible thing. Um, but I think, I think we, have to, we have to be able to say to ourselves, like, could we take a look at our life? Could we step into God's future for a minute in our own mind's eye? Look at our own lives um, and wonder, how does this ideology that played out yesterday in such horrific violence, um, I mean, that's, that's the, the pinnacle of its evil and, and, um, and terror, but there's a whole road of behavior and habits and patterns that has led a person like that to do what he did. And I think this parable might invite us to take a step back, to look at our life and go, God, I'm not immune to the sin of this nation. Um, I'm not immune to the racist values and patterns um, that play out in our country. Look at my language. God, is there, is there language I need to change? Look at my instincts, my patterns of life. Are there, are there instincts, God, that I need to just give to you? Um, show me um, by looking at your future. That's what Jesus is doing here with the Pharisees. Look at this future. Do you hope to be in the bosom of Abraham? This is what they believed about the future. Or do you hope to be in the God of wealth? Um,
The same thing um, can be asked of us. Um, does, that, does that make sense? Um, a second thing I think this passage, at least um, for me, um, raises questions of what are the gates or chasms in our life? And it's related to what I'm sharing, I just shared. What are the gates or chasms in our lives that keep us separated from people? Um, in the story, it begins with a gate separating the rich man and Lazarus. Um, in the vision of the future, um, Abraham says to the rich man, there is a chasm here that cannot be crossed. Um, seemingly connected to that chasm, which was the gate um, in their life that day. Um, it was a chasm so wide that even in the afterlife, the rich man is unable to imagine Lazarus as anyone else than one who is in a social location to serve. Does that make sense? Even in the afterlife, hey, Abraham, send Lazarus to dip his finger in my mouth. Hey, Abraham, okay, you can't do that. Send Lazarus to my people to tell them what they need to, to hear to have life. Even in the afterlife, his heart and patterns and practices were unchanged. Um, and it's because there was chasms in his way of being. And so I wonder for us, I wonder for you, and I, I, in the most concrete of ways, like where are those gates? Potentially of people who, I think a great indicator, people who you don't know their names. You know them for what they do. Um, you know them, maybe, for how they connect in your life. But what, what, what are those gates that keep us from knowing names? Um, third thing. So, my invitation to mindfulness, the first thing in this, in this parable. Look at my life. Take an inventory of my life from my hopes for the future that God has told us about. Number two, what are the, the gates, the chasms for me? Um, who, is, who is Lazarus that needs a name? Who is the rich man that needs a name? How do we, how do we break through those chasms? Um, the third thing, I think in this story, the Pharisees, and then therefore us, because we're reading this story, um, are the brothers at the end. Right? Jesus is telling this story to the Pharisees, um, and in it there is this request, go tell my brothers. And what does Jesus say, or Abraham, I guess, in the story, say to the rich man? He says, they have the prophets. They have the messengers. And for some reason, the rich man knows, no, 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 that's not going to be enough. We need to send someone from the dead, to, which Jesus then tells the end of the story. Well, they, they won't even listen if someone is raised from the dead. And so I wonder if the invitation for us today is, 
who are the prophets you and I need to be listening to? Um, Who are the prophets, the voices in this particular time that need to be heard, that need to be listened to? The, the fourth thing, um, and the last one um, for today. I think the most fearful person in this room, or excuse me, in this story, um, is the rich man. Um, so much of what we do um, to accumulate Wealth. And in this story, wealth is land. Um, that's what wealth is in this time. Um, but so much of what we do to accumulate is based in fears of scarcity. Um, fears um, that we're just not going to have enough. Whether that's for this month, for this year, for 10 years from now. Um, and so we read stories like the parable we read already today. Um, And the invitation of that parable is be rich in God. Um, Be rich in God. Um, I think think Lazarus reveals to us this raw humanity that each of us, if we're honest, can connect with. Um, This raw, wide-open I'm dependent. I can't do this on my own strength. I can't predict and manage and control and save my way into a bright future. Um, At the end of the day, we sit at a gate and, and we are Lazarus. And we, therefore, are people who proclaim God, not riches, Not land, not money, but God is our help. God is the only one um, who is is our comfort. Because all of that stuff can be wiped out in a minute. So I think Jesus is, is, is inviting those Pharisees that he's talking to. Um, your, your seriousness about the faith um, is no guarantee of your future. Your money and desire for it and ability to accumulate it is no guarantee of your future um, or your help. But be encouraged, because there is something more trustworthy than even those things. Who is your help? Um, And that is the living God, um, made known in Jesus Christ. Um, Mindfulness, look at our lives from God's future, where this thing is headed. Take an inventory. Where are the gates and chasms in our life that God might be inviting us to move across 
to know names. Um, this is something we do at the IRC um, in terms of um, raising money. Um, I have a professor of mine, friend, um, long time ago, when we were talking about fundraising, said, there are ways to serve those with means, with wealth, that are humanizing and dignifying. Um, so that's a chasm that at the IRC we're trying to learn how to cross. How do we reach across this chasm of wealth in, in dignifying ways to people who have means um, and invite them into something special, something of God? Um, and it begins by, we need to know names. Not so we can get what we want, right? But in a humanizing inviting kind of way so that we can invite people in to this work that, that so many of us have given so much to. What's the chasm in your life? The name that needs to be known um, that maybe we, we'd be invited to cross. Um, number three, who are the prophets that we need to be listening to? Um, who are the people that we need to be reading, um, supporting, hearing from, um, and just this core invitation to remember that we are Lazarus. At, 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 in our most human way, we are the ones who need God's help. And God promises God's comfort. Um, I want to close with just a couple quotes um, to, as we um, head to the table here in a minute. The first one is by a, a woman named Diana Hayes, who's a womanist theologian and mystic. Um, it's kind of long, but um, I think it'll, it'll be okay. She writes, This is our calling as Christian faithful, to recognize the Christ in everyone and to reach out a hand of hope, to speak a word of love, to sing a song of happiness, to share a tear of joy or pain, to speak a word of praise, to murmur a prayer, to stand together against those forces that would divide us, isolate us, and block our flow toward home. She then goes on to write a little bit more and, and, and even mentions Micah 6.8 and this vision of the Christian life and closes by saying, this is the Christian vocation of the laity in the world. Today and every day, it is not an easy vocation, for there are temptations to flow in other directions, to leave our own course and follow the so-called mainstream, a stream that appears large and exciting, but eventually peters out into nothingness. I was struck by that word nothingness, and then last night I was at a concert, um, a Mumford and Sons concert. It was amazing. Um, my boys can attest. <clears throat> and they kind of went through a bunch of their songs in this concert, and it was all the, the great stuff that Mumford and Sons fans would love. And it, they did the curtain call, which is one of the weirdest traditions in, ever. Um, but they did it. And then we cheered them all back on out, you know. And they did a few more amazing songs. 
And at the end, you, you could just kind of tell he was coming to the last song, and he said, um, from the front, he said, you know, there's a lot going on in your country that we haven't talked about. And everyone kind of knew some version of what he was talking about. And he said, but we don't have time to talk about that today, so let's, let's sing this song. And he sang the song that's called Delta. Um, so I just want to read a few of the lyrics. Um, My words are empty vessels if I do nothing in this place. We can... This is really important. We can scream into the shadows... And it's good that we can. But walk with me. I think we'll find a way. Walk with me. I think we'll find a way. I'll meet you at the delta where the rivers run into the sea. And I'll meet you at the delta. What's behind, I can clearly see. But that beyond, that's beyond me. When it feels like nothing else matters, will you put your arms around me? When it feels like nothing else matters, will you put your arms around me? And does your love prefer the other? Or does your love just make you feel good? Does my love prefer the other? Or does my love just make me feel good? This is the part that connects, I think, with the quote I just read. When it's all just dust to dust, and that's how it will be, when it's all just nothingness, that means nothing to me. Does my love prefer the other? Does my love make me feel good? Does my love prefer the other? Does my love just make me feel good? It was this invitation to meet at the delta where the river meets the sea. It was an opening to move into this beyond that we we can't even see. But as people of faith, we proclaim that there is a beyond in our lives, in our country. Um, And it begins by by proclaiming nothingness, this idea of nothingness, that means nothing to me. Um, Our love prefers what's out there. Um, Our love prefers um, more than what is just good for me. I think this parable invites us into that um, way of being and thinking. Misty is going to come and uh, lead us in Eucharist. I'd like to invite the musicians back up too. Do we have all the kids with us or are we waiting on some? Are we good? I think we're good. Misty, why don't you come lead us in Eucharist? Thanks. What I like about the parables um, is that They're not stories about what has already happened, but they're stories about what could happen. 
Um, and so I think Jesus invites us, and all the people he told the parables to, to, um, to remember that this isn't the way that things have to be. We don't have to be afraid that we won't have enough oil for our lamps and not be able to share with others. We won't have to be afraid um, that the chasms are too deep and too wide. Because we remember that song that we sang when we were little, like, deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. And I thought of that song this morning, um, remembering that it's not my fountain, but it's God's fountain. And it's the fountain that Jesus invites us to. And this meal is a little bit like a strange fountain. <laughs> um, so when Jesus was in the middle of being betrayed, even though he said, if somebody rises from the dead, that won't change anything, we get to stand in the future and know that it changed everything. Amen. And so we consume this meal every week, remembering that the one who went down to the dead, who crossed that chasm, um, meets us today and every day. All we have to do is ask. So when he was at his last meal, he took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, broken for you. Whenever you do this, whenever you break this bread, whenever you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he poured it out, saying, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is my blood shed for you. And whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. And so today we pray to the God who crosses chasms, who builds bridges, and who breaks prison doors and every other door free. God, we pray that your spirit will be with us today, that the peace of your son Jesus will enter our hearts and our minds so that we might greet others with that peace and see that peace and know it when it's right in front of us. Be with us and bless this meal that it will nourish our bodies and nourish our spirits. Amen.